So Genesis chapter 13, as you turn there, uh, so we've been, again, just plying away through the book of Genesis, and th at this point where, where we pick it up, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, and, and last week we, we, we read about uh, Abraham's, Abraham's uh, lapse of faith, you know, as he went down to Egypt, and now as we pick it up, Abraham is returning from his lapse of faith and from Egypt. And we see that God promised to bless him in the land of Canaan, but when the trials came and it says that famine covered the land, Abram forgot the promises of the Lord and he fled to Egypt. And while there in Egypt, Abram compromised not only his faith, but his integrity also when he, led, when he lied to Pharaoh who, who, about who Sarai was his wife. As you guys remember, he went into, into Egypt right before he even went into Egypt. First he compromised you know, his, his walk with the Lord, he compromised his faith, and then he compromised his integrity. Before they even went to Egypt, he told Sarah, he says, all right, look, we're going to go into Egypt right now. He says, they're going to see that you're, that you're beautiful. And, and I know that once Pharaoh sees that you're beautiful, they're going to want to kill me so they can marry you. So let's lie and let's say that, that you're my sister. I'm your brother so that, so that we could both be safe. So we see that again, that, that, that this lapse of faith, you know, just started tumbling down. It had like a snowball effect where, where you know, he, he lapsed in his faith. He compromised his faith. Then he compromised his integrity. And then he started compromising in other things as well. So we see again that while he was there in Egypt, he compromised. And then we, see, we saw how, how the Lord came through for Abram, even though he had compromised his faith, even though he had this lapse in faith, even though the Lord had given him a command some 25 years earlier to get out of, out of Ur of the Chaldees and, and go into the land that, that he was going to show him. And even though he took 25 years, you know, a delay to get to that land. And then when he got to that land, he, he, he lapsed in his faith. We see that, that God was faithful while he was still in Egypt. That we say that God was faithful to, to, uh, to provide for him, you know, and to get him out of, to, to bail him out of this, this, this problem that he had got himself into. So we see that Abram gets into this deep mess with Pharaoh, you know, and, and God comes and he plagues Pharaoh and he causes Pharaoh to know that, that Abram is not, is not Sarah's brother, but, but her husband. And, and we see that, that God was protecting his lineage, that God was prote protecting his promise uh, of a Messiah coming, coming through Abraham. We see that God was protecting his, his promise to, to Abraham of blessing him and making him a father of many nations. And we see that God was protecting that promise he had made to Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So we see again that, that the Lord comes through for Abraham. You know, he gets him out of this, uh, this deep mess that he had made for himself. You know, and, and as a result, we see that, that Pharaoh sends Abraham his wife and everything he owns out of Egypt. Once he was plagued by the Lord and once he found out that, that, that he wasn't who he said he was, but that, but that the, the true and living God was on Abraham's side, you know, he said, all right, get out of here. He said, we're not going to do anything to you guys. Just take all your stuff and, and leave. You know, so he got the boot. He got kicked out of Egypt. And, 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 uh, and we just see again that this was just a, a, a beautiful picture of God's sovereign hand in Abraham's life. Even though, you know, he didn't consider God in the situation, even though he took matters upon his own hands and you know even though he got himself into this mess we see that God was faithful to protect his promise in that whole situation why because God is faithful like it says there in 2nd Timothy that even even when we are faithless he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself and so he would pick it up in Genesis chapter 13 and, and here's Abram back to square one if you guys remember there in uh, chapter 12 it says that that as soon as he got into Canaan there in chapter 12, verse 7, it says that, that the Lord appeared to Abram and he said, To your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. 
So we see that, that as Abram entered the promised land, you know, God appeared to him and Abram establishes this altar to worship God, you know, this meeting place for him and the Lord. He leaves all that to go to Egypt. You know, he gets kicked out of Egypt, returns back to that promised land, and he's back at square one. We'll pick it up right here in chapter 13. It says, I'll read from verses 1 through 4. It says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with them to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So again, we see Abram back to square one. You know, after all that mess, after him just taking matters into his, his, his own hands, after, after a little detour, after a little mess that he made, here he is back to square one. We see that Abram returns to the place where he was at, it says, in the beginning, before all this happened. You know, back to square one. It says that this place was between Bethel and Ai, as we read there in chapter 12, and, and again here in chapter 13. Now, this is the place where, where the Lord appeared to, to him after his 25-year delay in Haran, you guys remember that, 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 uh, that the Lord called Abram to get out of early Chaldeas, of the Chaldees, to go into the promised land by himself. And if you guys remember, Abram ended up bringing his, his father Terah with them and his nephew Lot with them, and that caused him to delay 25 years. You know, and it wasn't until, until Abram's dad Terah died that Abram was able to, to partially obey God's, God's call, you know, to get out of early Chaldees. And I say, I say partially because God's command to, to Abraham was, hey, get out, you know, leave your relatives, leave everyone, get out to a land that I will show you. So we see that the call to Abram was a call, it was a solitary call. Of course, him and his wife, him and Sarah, you know, but he was to, he was to leave his father behind, he was to leave his nephew behind, he was to leave his, 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 his all his other family members behind. And we see that the call of God was to him specifically. So after his 25 year delay, it says that he gets into Canaan and that the Lord appears to him. You know, and this is that place there between Bethel and Ai. Now, this is where Abram built an altar to the Lord and called on his name. It's interesting that the name, that the, that the word Bethel actually means the house of God. You know, so, so Abram journeyed there, you know, by the house of God in this place, Bethel. And that's where he built his altar and that's where he would meet the Lord daily to worship him, to pray, to, to, to call on his name, you know, to fellowship with God, you know, to have this intimate relationship with the true and the living God. So this Bethel, the house of God, this was Abram's intimate meeting place with the Lord. And to think that this, that this, thing, that, you know, that this meeting place with the Lord, that this is what he left to go to Egypt. This is what he left. So in a sense, he left his, his, his alone time with God. You know, he left his personal time with God. He left his relationship with the Lord. He left this place, this meeting place there at Bethel, at the house of God, to go to Egypt. Now, but now he's back. And again, after this detour in Egypt, you know, he, he's back. You know, and, and it says that, that he, re he returned to the place where he was at in the beginning. You know, and, and I mean, again, I, I'm, I, as you guys know, I'm very visual, you know, and I like to put myself in, in, in these guys' shoes. You know, I could just imagine Abram, again, knowing that, you know, by this point, he's already 70, about 70 plus years old. You know, knowing that, that, that he had been disobedient to God's call at the beginning. Knowing that, that it took him 25 years to, to partially obey. Knowing that after these 25 years, you know, he still brought Lot, Lot with them. Knowing that he had... That he had encountered the true and the living God again once he obeyed the call. And then he left all that to go to Egypt. And then knowing that he got himself in trouble there at Egypt and lied to Pharaoh and lied to God and lied to his wife and lied to everyone around him. You know, and then having to kind of return with his tail between his legs back to, the, back to square one, back to where, where God called him to be at in the, in the beginning. I mean, you could just imagine, you know, where Abram was 
you know, in here in his heart. You know, I mean, you could just, I mean, just reading it, you know, just putting it that way, I mean, I would I would think, man, I'd be embarrassed if I was Abraham. And that's just the truth of it. I mean, right, whenever we, we, we fail the Lord or whenever we, 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 we feel like, uh, like, like we weren't obedient or, or like we're just big screw-ups, you know, and we, we tend to kind of just walk like this, you know, with a frown and knowing like, oh, man, I'm messed up and everybody knows it. You know, here I am, Abram, you know, which my name means exalted father. I have no kids. You know, God promised to bless me here in this land. I disobeyed him. When I went over here, I'm just messing up left and right. My walk's like this with the Lord. And here comes Abram, man, back to square one, back to the place where he was at in the beginning. You know, so you could just imagine, you know, what was going on in his mind and his heart, you know, as he's, as he's again returning back to, to where God called him to be at, where he was supposed to be this whole time. You know, and then probably thinking, man, I already delayed this 25 years. Not to wait even longer for God to, to, answer, to answer his promise to me. You know, and, and I think it's an awesome thing too, you know, when, when we look at it in this sense, that, that even though Abram didn't win and did all that, you know, the, the solution to this was to, hey man, return back to where it all started. You know, return back to, 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 to how it was in the beginning. Return back to, to where, where God first called me. You know, and I, I love what it says there in Revelation, the book of the Revelation chapter 2, as, as the Lord Jesus is addressing the church in Ephesus. You know, and he starts commending them. He says, hey, man, you guys have great faith. You know, you're resisting those who, who come in, you know, all the false teachers. And he starts commending them. And the first verses are just boom, boom, boom. Commend, uh, commendation after commendation, exhortation after exhortation. Then you get to verse 4. And it says this, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And then he tells them this. He says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Or also will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But I mean, I, I just love this this exhortation to the church of Ephesus. And he says, "Nevertheless, I have this against you: you have left your first love." And that's heavy. I mean, to think, I mean, to tell a believer, "Hey, man, you left you left you left your first love." If some word, some of another believer, of another brother or sister in the Lord were to tell me, "Hey, man, you've left the Lord. You've left your first love. Your heart's not in it." I mean, man, I would feel defeated. You know, but we see that, that the Lord's, the Lord's uh, exhortation to the church that are at Ephesus was this. He gives them a solution. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. And we see that this is what Abraham is doing. You know, again, he, he, he was there at, at Bethel, between Bethel and Ai, where he first met the Lord, where the, first, where, where the, Lord, first appeared, uh, the Lord first appeared to him after he had given him the call to leave. You know, he leaves all that and he's like, what do I do now? Hey, man, we'll go back to your first works. Go back to, to how it was all in the beginning. You know, go back to what you were first doing. And that's what he does. You know, he goes back to Bethel between Ai. You know, it's like he doesn't try to come up with a new solution and God doesn't give him a new command and God doesn't come up with a whole new plan. He just says, hey, go back to where it all started. You know, go back to the beginning. Go back to doing those first works. And, 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 that's, and that's an exhortation for us as well. You know, and we see that whenever a child of God drifts away, you know, whether it be physically or, or spiritually from the Lord, we see that whenever a child of God drifts away, their encouragement is always come back. You know, come back to the beginning. Come back. You know, I'm thinking of that parable right now of, of, the, of, the, of the prodigal son. You know, and he leaves home. He, he, you know, he asks his dad for all his inheritance. He goes out, you know, he parties and he, and he, and he, and he, and he burns all his cash on, on, on the world. You know, and, and what does he do, man? He goes back to where it all started and the father receives him with open arms. You know, now that parable is concerning Israel, you know, but, but, it, but it, it applies to us as well, you know, as believers. And this exhortation here to, to the church of Ephesus applies to us as New Testament believers. 
You know, and, and, this, and, then, and what Abraham did in chapter 13 applies to us as believers. You know, where, hey man, even if you feel like you've drifted away from the Lord, even if you feel like, man, you know what, my, my walk isn't like how it used to be. You know, I think back a year or two years ago, and, and man, I was more on fire for God, and, and it's like I, was self, I sensed His presence, and I wanted to pray all the time, and I couldn't wait to wake up and be in His Word. And, you know, and, and, and the first thing I thought about when I woke up was God, and the first thing I did was thank God when I woke up, and I'd be driving, I'd be praising the Lord, and you, look, you might be looking now, you might be thinking, man, I, that's not where I'm at now. And you might be feeling like, man, instead of going, instead of my, my walk with the Lord, you know, getting better, it feels like it's getting worse. Or it feels I'm like, like I'm like this, like a roller coaster. The encouragement to us is, hey, go back to the beginning. You know, go back to the first works. And, and sometimes we have to like, kind of force ourselves to do these things. You know, and, and I've heard somewhere, you know, that, that, that it's like you force, you force your flesh to do these things. You force yourself to do this, you know, and, and the heart will follow. You know, it's like, man, like for a while, I was struggling a lot with my prayer life. You know, and I was sleeping very little hours i still sleep very little hours i sleep like four maybe five hours a night but i'm used to that but i was struggling in the morning where all of a sudden i started feeling really tired you know and i would wake up like 10 minutes before it's time for me to you know to to leave so i had just enough time to make a coffee brush my teeth and leave you know and and, and for me personally you know my my time with the lord is in the mornings i i, I i'm a morning guy all the way you know, and, and I remember that, that, that for a while I was just struggling so much to just get up early and, and just talk to the Lord in the morning. Not even do a whole Bible study or a whole devotional, but just talk to Him. You know, it's like I just wake up and I was in zombie mode. You know, and I had to force myself to just get up. First thing, to, first thing I do, just thank you, Lord. You know, even if it wasn't a prayer, just thank you, Lord, just like that as I'm laying there. And, and, and it started little by little, you know, I had to just force myself to do this. And, and the next thing you know, you know I, was back, I was back to doing what I used to do. You know, but it's like you, you force your body to do these things and the heart will follow. You know, but again, the encouragement to us, to, 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 to a child of God, you know, whenever we drift away is, is come back to the beginning. Now, again, it's interesting that God didn't make Abram start all over. He didn't say, all right, go back over here, pick up where, you know, he, he, go back over here, let's start all over, let's hit the reset button. No, you know, but, but instead, you know, he picked up where he left off. And God didn't say, all right, let's wipe everything else, all right, forget the promises, forget all this. Let's start all over. He said, no. He just said, all right, let's pick up where you left off. You know, go back to where you were at in the beginning. Go back to where you first heard the call and, and just keep on walking. The promise still stands. And I just think that's amazing with the Lord, you know, that, that, uh, the, that the Lord doesn't, doesn't keep those tallies on, our, on the chart, you know, and dock us for Him. You know, it's like, it, it, it's not like when you go to work, you know, and, 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 and man, you get, you, do, you get docked for something you did wrong and all of a sudden you lose your benefits or you lose your perks or all of a sudden you can't do, you can't partake in this or whatever. God's not like that. You know, He doesn't keep tally. He, he doesn't keep tally of all the things that we, did, that we do wrong and He doesn't keep tally of our, of our mistakes and He doesn't keep tally, you know, of, of, of every time we mess up. You know, it's like, you know, when we come back, no matter how far we've drifted or for how long, we come back and it's always, all right, Let's pick up where we left off. And we see that this is the case with Abraham. You know, as, as he comes back to that place where, where he was at in the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, that, 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 that meeting place with the Lord, you know, the Lord just picks up right where he left off with them. And I just think that, you know, I just see that God is so gracious, again, to look over our sin and failure when we come back to him wholeheartedly. That's always the case. You know, we come back to him wholeheartedly and, hey man, he doesn't even ask you where you've been. You know, he knows where you've been. You just come back to him and Lord, I'm back. You know, I've, everything I've been through, you know, everything I did, you know, where I've been, Lord. And he says, all right, just come on. Let's keep on walking. And he gets you up and 
Don't look back. Just keep on walking. I love a scripture there in Lamentations 3.23. 22 and 23 actually. One of my favorite scriptures of all the Bible says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's so true. You know, it was true when it was written. It was true from the very beginning of time. It was true from the very beginning of existence. It was true yesterday, today, tomorrow, and it will continue to be true for all eternity. You know, that through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. His compassions fail not. Hey, our compassions fail, you know, but His compassions fail not. You know, we may, you know, be kind of insensitive to, to a believer, to a brother or sister in Christ when they're messing up, and we might think, man, how could you be doing that, bro? I can't believe you. you've been walking the Lord for so long. How could you fall in that? Our compassions fail, but God's compassions never fail. He says, your compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It goes on to say there in verse 5, it says, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of, li of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwell in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. And then it says, verse 10, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zohar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. We'll stop right there. Notice that it says, it says there in verse 5, it says, Lot also who went with them. So the text seems to indicate that, that Lot was with Abram the whole time when, when Abram was in Egypt. Notice that it says, Lot also who went with them. Now, interesting that we don't read of Lot ever signaling to Abram, you know, that, hey, maybe we shouldn't go to Egypt. Interesting that, that we don't, that the text doesn't say anything about Lot maybe suggesting, hey, maybe we should go back. Or, hey, maybe this is wrong. Or, hey, maybe we shouldn't be here. You know, we see that Lot is comfortable not dwelling in the place God intended for them to be. And, and we're going to see this later on as, 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 as Lot gradually starts moving closer and closer to Sodom, eventually living in Sodom, and even being a governor in Sodom. So we see that, 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 that Lot is, is all too comfortable not dwelling in the place that God intended for them to be. You know, we see that he's very insensitive to spiritual things. We see that he's very insensitive to the call of God on Abraham. You know, and we see that all along he's just tagging along, right? I mean, the, the, the promise was never to him. But, but we see the, again, that he's just way too comfortable not dwelling where God called him to be. And it says that they both returned from Egypt with many possessions. We talked a little bit about this, about this last week. You know, how when Abraham was there in Egypt, you know, he was prospered. You know, and, and it says that he returned. He was a rich guy when he returned. He had herds, he had uh, herdsmen, he had animals, he had livestock, he had silver, gold. The dude was rich. You know, so it went, it went well with them financially as he was in Egypt. He was in complete disobedience to God. He was compromising his faith. He was compromising his integrity. You know, he, he lied about who he was. He lied about who his wife was. But he, he prospered financially. 
And we talked about this last week, how, how, how financial you know, prosperity is not always a sign of God's hand on your life. You know, you talk to people who, who, who are clearly in sin, you know, are clearly in sin and, and you know, yeah, it's going great for them at work. And sometimes us as believers, we're like, man, you know, they're over there just like living like hell, you know, and God's blessing them. And we see them being prospered, you know, and they got cars and money and houses and this, that, and the other. And you see on social media that they're going out every weekend and you may think like, man, you know, I'm right here at church and I'm, you know, walking with the Lord and, and, and man, I'm, I look at my bank account and I'm just living check by check and I'm struggling. And, the, and that guy is over there, you know, he's, he's in sin, you know, he's walked away from God, you know, he comes to church on Easter and Christmas only, and God's blessing him. You know, but we see that, that again, that, 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 God, that financial prosperity is not always a sign of God's hand upon someone's life. Again, Abraham was in Egypt, and by the grace of God and by the mercy, you know, he was prospered. But he was in complete disobedience to what God had called him to do. You know, he's, he was in complete disobedience to what God wanted him to be. And again, now again, I, as a little disclaimer, I'm not saying that God will not bless you financially. I mean, I know a lot of great believers, you know, who are blessed financially, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, money and riches in, in themselves are not evil. But the Bible tells us, Paul tells us there in, in, in 1 Timothy that, that the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, and, that, and that it leads to wicked and perverse things. It's when, it's when that, that, that love of money takes the place of the love of God in your life. You know, and now this money becomes your idol and the, and, and the, and the paper chase and the hustle becomes your idol. Instead of, instead of, you know, instead of God. That's when it becomes evil. You know, so a believer can be blessed. You know, but, but financial, you know, prosperity in someone's life is not always a work of the Lord. It's not always, you know, a sign of God's blessing on their life or God's approval. So we see that, that Abram and Lot, both of these guys came back, you know, rich. You know, they were, they were man, they were loaded. And we see that, that, they were, that as they came back with, from Egypt with a lot of possessions, we see that there's going to be a division between the two camps. You know, so they have so many things, you know, they, they got so many, so many animals, so, so much livestock, so many herdsmen, you know, that there's going to begin to be strife between the two. I mean, that's how prosperous they were, you know, that's how many uh, possessions they had. So there will be a division be between the two camps, Lot's camp, you know, and, and Abram's camp. And we see that this will cause them to separate and go different ways. One will end up in Sodom, you guys know who that is, a sinful city far from the Lord. And another will end up at the very center of God's will for his life, dwelling in Cana. Again, one will end up in Sodom, you know, which is a sinful city far from the Lord. And the other will end up at the very center of God's will for his life, dwelling there in the promised land in Canaan. And we see that God will use, God will sometimes use divisions, you know, and strifes between families or even close friends to bring about his purposes. You know, and we see that, 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 that God's always in the details. You know, and he can use even something as not so pleasant like a division, you know, to, 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 to bring about his purposes. We see in the New Testament that, that the New Testament church was, you know, as a cause of persecution, as a cause of, of strife, as a cause of, 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 of trials, you know, that the, that the church there in Jerusalem spread. They had to flee because they were being so persecuted in Jerusalem that they had to flee. And as a result, the gospel reached the whole, land, the whole earth. We see later on that there was a division between Paul and Barnabas and Mark, you know, as, 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 as they were there, at, I believe, in their second or first missionary journey. And, and, and it's Paul, Barnabas, and Mark. And, and, and I guess Mark ends up bailing out on them, you know. And then at the next, at the next mission trip, Barnabas is like, hey, let's take, let's take Mark with us. And Paul said, no way, I'm not taking that kid with us. You know, he ranked it out on us last time. You know, we're not taking him with us. 
and, and we see that, 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 that Barnabas was, was actually Mark's uncle. And there was such a strife between Barnabas and Paul that they, that they split ways. You know, there was a division between the two. You know, they couldn't agree. Paul didn't want to take Mark. Barnabas wanted to take Mark. You know, so there was this, 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 this clashing. There was a strife. There was a division. And they both went separate ways. And as a result, the gospel reached, reached more places. So we see that, that, that the Lord will use these, these divisions sometimes with, even within families or close friends. You know, to, 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 bring up, to bring about his purposes. I mean, even in churches, I mean, of course, that's not the ideal, you know, the, 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 the ideal picture, you know, that, that we want, you know. But even in churches, I mean, if there's divisions or there's disagreements, hey, man, well, you know, if I don't agree, I'm going to go, you know, do minister in somewhere else. And, you know, as a result, God's word is being preached. I mean, we see that, that, that God will use it for, for his purposes, and he's going to use it here with Abraham a lot. You know, as, as the two camps were clashing, they couldn't dwell together in the land because there were so many of them, so they split ways. There was a division, and God ended up blessing, uh, blessing Abram as a result. We see again that, that now Abram is letting Lot choose which way to go. You know, so he says there in verse 8, Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we're all brothers. He says, Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. And if you take the left, then I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. So we see that, that, Abraham, that Abraham is now letting Lot choose which way to go. And even though Abraham had, had top choice, you know, he had priority, you know, he had first dibs, he could have been like, all right, I choose this land and Lot, you can have the rest. Or, all right, Lot, I'm going to I'm I'm stay right here and, and you could camp out over there or you could, you could get the leftovers. He had priority, you know, he had first dibs. I mean, God did promise him the whole land. But we see that, that, that Abram is, is kind of just putting that to the side and, and he's letting Lot choose first. We see that, that Abram's experience in Egypt and Haran has taught him to allow the Lord to lead him and to trust God with the results. You know, we see that Abram's a different Abram. You know, he didn't go through all that for nothing. He comes back from Egypt a different person, you know, with a different perspective, with a different understanding of who God is, with a different understanding of God's provision, with a different understanding of God's leading in his life, you know, with, with, a, with a different understanding of God's guidance and, 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 and God's directing. So now, again, the strife comes up, and he says, you know what, Lot, just wherever you want to go, I'll go the opposite way. And, and really what he's doing is he's trusting God with the results. You know, he's no longer this Abram who's going to be like, you know what, I gotta take matters into my own hands. I'll fix this and I'll do this and I'll do that. Or here, I got a, I got a plan. We could do this or we could do that. No, but we see that now he's leaving the results in God's hands. He's giving Lot priority. He says, "All right, Lot, wherever you want to go, I'll go the opposite way." And 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 really, again, what he's doing is that is that now he's allowing the Lord to 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 minister to him, to him and to lead him wherever God wants to lead him. You know, he's trusting God with the results. Now, as for us, you know, our failures and our shortcomings in the Lord are not in vain. Same thing with Abraham, you know, he, he, yeah, he messed up, yeah, he had, he had this lapse of faith, yeah, he ended up fleeing all the way to Egypt, you know, for who knows how long, the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, yeah, even while he was there, he messed up, but he came back, he came back to that place where he was at in the beginning, you know, with that, in, in those beginning, those beginning first verse with the Lord, and same thing with us, you know, our failures and our shortcomings in the Lord are not in vain, you know, for Abraham, it wasn't in vain, he learned something from it, he came back and now he's able to trust God with the results, you know, he's able to trust God with his leading. You know, and we see that for us that God uses our, our failures and our shortcomings. You know, he uses them as, as like the road signs that direct our walks with him. You know, you guys are, as we're driving down the road, you see a stop, you know, left only, yield, 
you know, uh, right turn only, this and that, and 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 our failures and our and, and our and our shortcomings in our lives. You know, it's like after after we come back from those things, you know, they become those road signs for us. I was walking with the Lord, we're walking with the Lord. You know, and 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 those things that happened in the past now, you know, they 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 have an effect in our hearts and our in our minds. You know, and they make us more sensitive to the leading of God. Where now you're able to kind of identify something and like, ah, you know what? Last time I know, you know, I I took this route and. I know that wasn't God's will, and you know, I mean, I'm you're able to kind of walk with the Lord more at ease because you have these these road signs now, you know, and that's exactly what our failures are in our lives. You know, I mean, I have, man, I could write a book of nothing but ministry fails, ministry failures, you know, and I've endeavored a lot, you know, for for the Lord and, and failed a lot for the Lord, and and also the Lord has blessed has blessed a lot of things that, that I've endeavored for Him, you know, but but I see that that God uses those failures in my life as well to to kind of direct me. You know, and, and, and even if it wasn't to direct me, it was to at least eliminate all the possibilities. So now I know, all right, I know that's not what I'm called to do because I tried it, I thought I was, and I failed miserably. And we see, even that wasn't in vain because now God is able to direct me a different route. So again, for Abraham, his little detour in, in Egypt, it, it's, it's working out for, for, for God's glory because now, you know, God's going to be able to guide him with more ease. We see that God, through Abraham's lapses of faith, is cultivating in Abraham a heart that's sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Lord. That's sensitive to the leading and the guiding of God's Spirit. And we see here in verse 10, it says that Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zohar. So we see that, all right, Lot takes his choice. Lot takes his choice. Abraham said, all right, you pick where you want to go. Lot chooses. And it says that Lot saw the plain of Jordan. If you want, I guess you want to underline that word right there, saw. It says, Lot saw all the plain of Jordan. You know, he saw that, that it was green, that it was lush, that it was flourishing everywhere. And it says that Lot chose for himself the plain of Jordan. I notice that it says that, that Sodom and Gomorrah was a beautiful place before God destroyed it. You know, it, that's what it says. It says that it was, it was green, it was, it was lush, it was flourishing. That was Sodom and Gomorrah before God destroyed it. You know, so it was a beautiful place. You know, and, and, and this is what attracted Lot to the area. You know, this is initially what got his attention. He looks out and he says, oh, what's that over there? See nothing but green grass and big trees and lots of, you know, lots of places for, for, his, for his livestock. And that's initially what, what attracted it to him. You know, maybe there's a river, maybe there's a waterfall, I don't know. You know I can just imagine like, uh, you know, me going to like Yosemite or, 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 or Mammoth or something. You know, you go and you just see anything but green and you're like, man, this is a perfect place to, to, to live. This is a perfect place to, to raise cattle and livestock. And that was Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I, th I, th I think we, we tend to, 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 to think about Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, or at least I do. When I, when I, whenever I think about Sodom and Gomorrah, all I think about was God's, God's destruction coming upon it. You know, a fire coming down from heaven and it being destroyed. You know, but we never think of it as like this beautiful place to live. And that's what it was. Right until the day that God destroyed it, it was a beautiful place to live. And this is initially what attracted Lot to the area. Now, with this, we see that the enemy will use, you know, this, this eye candy to, to entice us, you know, and lure us into the world. And we see that this is what the enemy used to, to lure Lot into, into Sodom. Hey, the eye candy. Since that Lot lifted his eyes and he saw... He saw the plane, that it was green, that it was lush, and, and that's the enemy right there. You know, that's that's how the enemy lures us. He, he 
you know, he, he, he uses our sights, you know, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You know, he uses this eye candy to entice us and to just to lure us right into the world. It's like, you know, if you guys ever gone fishing, I know my brother Gabriel fishes, you know, and, and, and when you're out, you know, bass fishing or trout fishing, you want to get these nice, specifically trout, you know, you want to get these nice lures, these nice spoons that are shiny. Some of them, you know, they look like bugs. They have different colors. You throw them out there and, and, the, and the fish see it. Oh, that looks good. And he goes after it. And next thing you know, boom. He, he bites the lure he, and, and, and he bites the, the mini jig and boom, there you go, you got him. Now you can just lure him in. And, and that's the same tactic that the enemy uses in our lives. You know, that he's going to use the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He's going to use those things that, 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 that just are appealing to the sight. You know, that are appealing to, 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 the, to the natural eye. And if you're a natural, if you're led by, by, by the natural man instead of by the spirit, you're going to fall for those things. So how important is it, you know, to, to always be checking you know, to, to always be checking ourselves and to just, you know, give those things up to the Lord constantly. Now, there is a danger when being led by the natural eyes, you know, instead of the Spirit of the Lord. Again, Sodom was beautiful. It was green. It was well watered. It was flourishing. But verse 13 says that the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful before the Lord. It's like, it's like biting into a candy apple, but yet inside it's all rotten. You know, it looks good and tasty from the outside. You know, once you bite it, oh man, there's worms in it. There's a, you know, it's all black. It's moldy. It's been sitting there for a few months. You know, it looks good from the outside, but you bite into it and, oh man, it tastes horrible. That was Sodom and Gomorrah. It, it looked beautiful from the outside. You know, it's what attracted a lot to it. But it says, what, but it, it's what's inside that matters, inside the city. And inside the city, it says there in verse 13, again, that the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked. Not just wicked, exceedingly wicked and sinful not just sinful but exceedingly sinful before the Lord it goes on to say that the plain of Jordan was like the garden of the Lord like you guys want to underline that word right there like the plain of Jordan was like the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt you know and I, I read this you know I read stuff like that and I pay, I pay attention to those, to those words like that it says the plain of Jordan was like the garden of the Lord now, Satan will always try to imitate what God has called good and use it as a tool for deception. If you guys remember there in Genesis 1, as, as, as we're going through the whole kind of creation, and, and, and God created the heavens and the earth, and God created the firmament, then God created the space between the firmament, then God created the land and the sea, and the, and the creatures in the land, and the creatures in the sea. And after every one of those things that God created, he says, and it was good. So all that added up to the garden of the Lord. And the garden of the Lord there in Genesis 1, God called it good. Now here we see that Sodom and Gomorrah, it was like the garden of the Lord. It wasn't the garden of the Lord, but it was like the garden of the Lord. And we see again that, 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 that Satan would always, will always try to imitate those things with, which God has called good and just distort them and twist them and, and pervert them you know, to, to, his own, you know, to his own likings. Always. The Bible says that, 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 that Satan is the father of lies, you know, that he's a deceiver. You know, that he's deceived from the very beginning. So it might have looked like the garden of the Lord, but really it was Satan's backyard. You know. Second Corinthians five seven says, "For we walk by faith, and not by sight." Now again, there is always a danger when we let ourselves be led by what we see, and not so much by what the scriptures say or what the Spirit is leading us to do. You know, when and I mean, you could apply that to to, to our lives today. 
You know, again, we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, it's, again, there's always that danger, you know, when we're led by the natural eyes, by what looks good. When it comes to jobs, and when it comes to looking for a job, for a place to live, for, you know, a school, for whatever it may be. I remember a few months back, I was, man, I really, I really, really wanted this one job. You know, I had been applying for it for a couple of years now. And then I remember that they sent me the email, like, all right, come in for the, for the test. You know, we got you. And, and, and it's like in my heart, like in my heart of hearts, I knew that wasn't God's will. But I was kind of trying to force God's will. You know, I'm like, man, Lord, but this, I was trying to, you know, I, 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 I built up a good case for the Lord. I'm like, Lord, look, I can make this much money. I can retire at this stage. And once I retire, I can be full-time ministry and I'll be out on the mission field. I'll do this for you. I'll do that for you. And Lord, look, I'm, and in two years, I'll be able to ask for time off and this and that. You know, but it's like in my heart of hearts, I know that God never said yes. You know, and as like I was praying, I was still applying, I was still applying, and I didn't have peace about it. If, I, if, I, if I'm honest with you guys, I didn't have peace about it. I didn't have complete peace about it. You know, and, and, and it's like, I knew that those things were going to take me away from God. You know, and, and I just knew that, that that wasn't God's perfect will for my life. You know, even though it was a good job, even it was, you know, all that, I just knew. Now, I'm not saying that all believers have to turn down good jobs, you know, to be in God's will. But for me, you know, I had to turn down this job. You know, and, and, and the way it worked out was that the, the test dates ended up falling on, 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 Liz's eye, uh, on Liz and I's uh, uh, our honeymoon. I'm like, man, like, all right, that's a no from the Lord. Then, <laughs> I mean, if that was ever a no from the Lord, like, that's it right there. I mean, God made it plain and clear. No way, you're not going. Look, the only available test dates are three days, and those three days fall on, on, the, on the week that, that we're on our honeymoon. Like, all right, Lord, I guess you made it plain and clear. But we see again... That, that there's always a danger, you know, when we're led by, the, by, the, by what our eyes see only, you know, by the natural man, by our natural man's desires. And, and, and not by what the Spirit is saying, or not what His Word says, or not what the Lord is telling us or leading us to do. You know, so with that, you know, how important time spent with God alone is. You know, it's important to be, to, to, to have that time spent alone with the Lord, because how else are you going to hear from the Lord? You know, how else are you, are you going to cultivate that, that, that sensitive heart to the voice of the Lord and to His leading? You know, and, and God's not always going to speak, you know, in an audible voice. I mean, I've never heard God speak to me in an audible voice. It's never going to be like, oh, the walls are going to shake. And, oh, Lord, okay, I think that means yes, or I think that means no. I mean, I'm reminded of, the, of Elijah there in 1 Kings 19. As he's fleeing from Jezebel, you know, he goes into, like, depressed mode. And, and, and he's there in the wilderness, in the caves. And if you guys, remember, if you guys have read that story, it says that, that he was just kind of depressed and that God sent ravens to feed him. And that the Lord starts talking to, to Elijah and he says, what are you doing here? And he asked him at the end like three times. And Elijah gives him just like, oh, you know, I'm the last one of the prophets, everyone else is dead. And then, and it's like, Elijah was having a hard time hearing from God, you know, hearing what God really wanted him to do. And then it says that there was an earthquake. And then the Bible says there in 1 Kings 19, it says, but God was not in the earthquake. And it says that there was a strong wind. And it says, but God was not in the wind. And then there was a fire, but God was not in the fire. He says, and after that, a small, still voice. And then that's when Elijah was able to recognize the voice of God. It's like we're praying, you know, we're asking, Lord, minister to me, Lord, speak to me, Lord, I want to hear from you. And we're looking for all these signs and wonders and all these, you know, we're waiting for the walls to shake and for somebody to knock on your door and say, yes, God says yes, or something like that. You know, but we see that God always ministers to us just in that, in that small, still voice of your heart. You know, most likely if, you're, if, if you sense that the Lord is, is already telling you something, most likely that's it. You know, because God speaks to us through our heart, through our thoughts, you know, through His Word, as we spend time with Him in prayer. You know, and, and how else are we going to be directed by the Lord, you know, if we don't spend that time with Him, you know, in His Word, in prayer, 
it's just a an encouragement to us, you know, to, to just to, to find time, you know, to spend with God there in that secret place. You know, in that secret place wherever it may be. It could be your closet, it could be your car as you're driving to work, it could be in your room, it could be in your office, whatever it may be. You know, but just take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, just you and him, allow the Lord to minister to you apart from a from a corporate church setting. Because again, we're gonna see right now that that that, that the Lord's gonna talk to Abraham again. You know, he's gonna minister to Abraham, he's gonna speak to Abraham. You know, but he had to get him alone. You know, and and, and again, I, I say this again. I know I, I'm repeating myself, and, and and I don't know. I just repeat myself, but I think it's important to note that 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 sometimes you know there's things that God wants to minister to us that are only for us. You know, it's like God wants to to show you something. You know, that He can't show you when everyone else is around you. He wants to minister to to you something specifically. You know, something something intimately, something very personal to you. And so it says. Afterwards, then verse 12 says, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities and the, of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And it goes on to say, And the Lord said to Abram, After Lot has separated from him, Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and to your descendants forever. And I, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in that land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord. So we see now that, that, that the Lord the Lord says to Abraham after Lot separated from him. You know, notice that God finally has Abraham where he wanted him from the very beginning. From that, from that very first time he, he called him while he was still in Ur of the Chaldees. Remember, you guys remember that call was, hey, get out of the Ur of the Chaldees to a land that I will show you. Get out from your relatives, your, your family, you know, just you and Sarah. But it says, just you. And we see that, that, that now God finally has Abraham where he wanted him to be some 25 plus years ago. It took that long for, 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 for God to get, Abraham, to get Abraham where he finally wanted him. You know, 25 plus years. And once he finally has him alone, so that he speaks to him. You know, and, and God's promise was to Abraham, not to his nephew. You know, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't really fully, fully walk in God's promise for him because it wasn't for a lot. You know, he was carrying this extra weight. You know, and, and, and Lot wasn't part of the plan. You know, it was, it was, the promise was to Abraham and to all his descendants. You know, Lot had nothing to do with this. So see that now that Abraham's alone, God ministers to him, and, you know, he reminds him of the promise. And again, there are certain things that, that the Lord wants to show you alone. This was the case for Abraham. Now it says, again, that, that the Lord told, told him, lift up your eyes and look. You know, it says, arise, walk in the land. Now, you guys remember the, verse, the verses earlier. Lot had seen what the world had offered. You know, it says that he lifted up his eyes and he saw the plain of Jordan. He saw Sodom, that it was well watered. You know, and, and, and Sodom and Egypt, you know, is, is in the Bible is always a, a type of the world. As we read on later in, in Exodus and in, and in Joshua, you know, we see that, 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 that Egypt is always a type of the world. So Lot had seen what the world had to offer. But now Abraham is going to see what God has to offer. He says, all right, 
Now that you're all alone, it says, lift up your eyes and see. It says, arise, walk in the land. And we see that God reassures Abraham of that promise that he made to him when he entered the land. At the very beginning. Now, again, notice that Abraham's disobedience didn't annul God's promise to him. You know, it didn't, it didn't cross it out. It didn't, it didn't you know, uh, erase it. That promise still, stand, still stood. And again, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Guys, that's something that, that I remind myself of. If not daily, then like every other day. Like, alright Lord, thank You because You're faithful. Lord, thank You because even if I'm not faithful, Lord, You remain faithful because You cannot deny Yourself. And it's something that I have to constantly remind myself of because, I, I, I mean, I don't think I'm always as faithful as I should be with the Lord, you know, with the things of the Lord. And God reminds me, all right, you know, even if you failed, I'm not going to fail. And, and, and that's my solid rock that I stand on, you know, that God's faithfulness, God's mercies, God's promise, you know, God's sovereignty, God's nature, God's character. Not my own, because if I, if I start trusting my own strength, hey, I'm, I'm a failure. You know, I, I could be, you know, all gun-ho one day and the next day, oh, you know what, I'm beat, I'm done, I'm not going to do that. But God, He's faithful. You know, even if, if, if we lack faith, even if we are faithless, you know, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And again, Abraham went through all that. You know, and you would think like, oh man, you know, he delayed the promise. Then he took a detour. And, you know, it's, if you think about it in human terms, you could tend to think like, oh, what, what was God thinking, you know, when Abraham was going through all this? But it's important to note that, that God is not caught off guard by our failures and our stumblings. You know, he's not caught off guard. You know, he's sovereign. He's not taken by surprise. And, you know, he's not moved by, by our shortcomings. He's not moved. Imagine if he was, though. I mean, imagine if, 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 if God calls us to do something and, and, if, and if he wasn't sovereign. And if every time we failed, you know, God was like, oh, man, what am I going to do now? And, and if God always had to be coming up with a new plan because we're always failing him. I mean, imagine if God operated that way. You know, it would, it would be tragic for all of us. Right? But because God is sovereign and he sees beginning from end you know, because he exists outside of time you know he's not taken by surprise I believe that's called the impassibility of God where, where, where it just describes one of his one of his attributes I might be wrong but 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 it just but that's one of his attributes you know that, that, that God is is he's in move he's not moved by by our failures he's not he's not moved by our circumstances he's not moved by by anything he's not taken by surprise why because he exists outside of time Guys, you and I may be walking through this, through this world and walking through life and, you know, we're praying for this job and, and, and we're banking on this job and then it doesn't come through and we're taken by surprise. Man, Lord, what now? God hasn't moved. You know, here he knows what, what, what the next step is. Here he knows how he's going to come through for you. You know, we're taken by surprise because we can't see. We're, we live in moments of time. Boom, 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 boom. You know, we're living in moments of time. God exists outside of time. You know, he can be trusted with our lives, with our future, with our plans. You know, because he's already been there. You know, he, he, he already went before us. We're thinking, man, Lord, how's this going to work out? Lord, how's my family going to do this? Or, Lord, what, you know, what's going to happen with this job? Or, Lord, what's going to happen with my school? Or, Lord, what's going to happen with my car? Or, Lord, what's going to happen with this, that, or the other? You fill in the blank. God's not moved. We're moved. You know, God's not taken by surprise. You think when, you know, when, 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 when there's wars going on or when something tragic happens, God's like, whoa, what's going on over there? He's not. He's not. You know, and, and it's a beautiful attribute of God because you know it, it tells us that that, that that we could trust in God, you know, because we don't know what's gonna happen next, but God does. 
You know, God knew that Abraham was going to fail. He knew that Abraham was going to delay 25 plus years in Haran. He knew that Abraham was going to answer the call and then flee to Egypt, get in trouble, get busted, come back. He knew all these things. You know, and, and, and he, knows, he knows his life from beginning to end. And with that being said, I think it's amazing that God still called him. You know, and then with that being said, I think it's amazing that God still calls us. You know, knowing that, that hey, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to perfectly obey. We're not going to perfectly, you know, walk in God's promise for us. We're not going to perfectly walk in God's calling for our lives. We're not going to perfectly, you know, just uh, be in ministry and just, you know, be superstars in Christ and the church. He knows we're going to fail. He knows what we're going to go through. He knows, you know, all those times that you backslid, all those times that, that you... That, that, that you sinned, even already being in the Lord, He knows all those things. But He still calls us. That's the grace and the mercy and the love of God. You know, that He would look past those things, you know, and that He would still choose us. And, and I'm amazed by that every single time I think about it. I'm like, Lord, I can't believe You chose me. Lord, knowing everything I've already done and knowing, man, if the Lord tarries, how many other dumb things I might do, you know, later on in the future, Lord, You still called me. God is so awesome, you know, he's so, he's so loving, he's so sovereign. He goes on to say, I'll read it again. Then verse 17, God told Abraham, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. I think it's interesting that, that the Lord, you know, as he was talking to Abraham, you know, he tells him, hey, arise, walk in the land through its length and its width. So he's saying, hey, get familiar with the land. You know, he had, he had this, is, this is yours. You know, he had promised in the land. He said, to, this land, to, to you and to your descendants, I'm going to give you this land. He says, so get up. He says, and walk in it. He says, hey, get to know it. Walk, know its length, know its width. For I give it to you, it's yours. You know, so he commanded Abraham to, to, to walk through the land. This, this was a promise that God had given him, you know, and he's telling him, hey, well, well, take a hold of that promise. You know, for us as New Testament believers, God has given us a bunch of promises. I mean, we have 66 books, you know, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, full of God's promises for us as believers, for us as God's kids, for us as God's children. You know, and, and, and God is saying this, he's, the same thing he told to Abraham, hey, walk in the land, you know, know its width and know its length. And God's telling us, hey, walk in those promises, you know, know their, know their width and know their length. You know, and, and God wants us to get familiar with His promises for us. Why? Because He's already given them to us. You know, He told them, all right, walk in this land because it's yours. It's, it's, I gave it to you already. Interesting that later on in the book of Joshua, as Joshua is distributing the land to the 12 tribes, you know, he, he, he's giving them each a portion of the land that, that God had promised them. And interesting that the nation of Israel never fully, you know, uh, took hold of, of all the land that God gave them. You know, I forgot what percentage it was that, 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 that was left still untouched and un, uninhabited. It was a big percentage, something like 70 or, or more. You know, but a, a, a big chunk of the land that God had promised them, they, they, they never took possession of. And you know, we see again that, that, that God is commanding Abraham, hey, get familiar with the land. Get familiar with the promises that I have given you. Get, get familiar with the land that I have, that I have caused you to inherit. You know it, know its widths, know its lengths. And again, for us, God has given us promises as well. You know, not, they might not be territory, they not might be, you know, uh, square footage, you know, acres of land, but they're better than that. 
You know, they're, they're promises from His Word. And God is saying, hey, get familiar with these promises because they're yours. You know, take them up. You know, yeah, uh, take possession of them when, whenever you need them. I can think of a few that just come to mind that I take, that, that I take you know, possession of quite often. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. All right, Lord. I go through some crazy anxiety sometimes, some crazy trials in my head, and, and, and I'm reminded of that promise that God told me to take a hold of. You know, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It goes on to say, trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. I'm reminded of another promise there in Isaiah. I forgot the scripture, the, the, the chapter and verse. But he says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will, will raise up a banner against them. I think, man, in those times where I think that, that it, just, it seems like the enemy is coming in like a flood, like a flood of water, and I'm just overtaking and I'm drowning. I'm reminded of that promise. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a banner against them. And what that, and that, and what that, what that means, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a banner of warfare, you know, declaring, hey, this is our territory. Another promise, you know, Philippians 6, 5, Philippians 6, 4, 6 through 7. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. You know, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, man. I should have just <laughs> forgot that one. It says, uh, be thankful always, you know, uh, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Like so many, so many of those promises that the Lord has called us to just, to, to just take a hold of. You know, and, 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 and to know, you know, and God say, hey, know these promises and know them well. You know, know their wits and their depths. Why? Because one day you're going to have to go to that promise. You know, one day you're going to be going through something heavy and, and you're going to walk, you need to walk to, to that area of the land, so to say. You know, to, to, to that area of the Bible, to that area of that promise, you know, to these specific promises, know them. Amen? Amen. Well, that will stop right there. I, want, I wanted to get to chapter 14, but there's just so much in it and uh, I don't want to rush through it. So that will stop right there. Father God, just thank you so much for your